The following sermon was delivered during morning worship at Fifth Avenue Presbyterian Church in New York City. We welcome you to worship with our vibrant community of faith every Sunday on the corner of Fifth Avenue and 55th Street in the heart of Midtown Manhattan. And now, here is our guest preacher for today's service. Scripture reading this morning is from the 17th chapter of Acts. I'll be reading verses 22 through 29. Listen now for God's word as it comes to you and for you. Then Paul stood in front of the Areopagus and said, Athenians, I see how extremely religious you are in every way. For as I went through the city and looked carefully at the objects of your worship, I found among them an altar with the inscription to an unknown God. What therefore you worship is unknown, this I proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it, he who is Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in shrines made by human hands, nor is he served by human hands, as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mortals life and breath and all things. From one ancestor he made all nations to inhabit the whole earth, and he allotted the times of their existence and the boundaries of the places where they would live, so that they would search for God and perhaps grope for him and find him, though indeed he is not far from each one of us. For in him we live and we move and have our being, as even some of your own poets have said, for we too are his offspring. Since we are God's offspring, we ought not to think that the deity is like gold or silver or stone, an image formed by the art and imagination of mortals. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The title of the sermon this morning is Athenian Americans. My friends in New York, have you ever forgotten where you were or what you were doing? I have. Most of the time I lose track of time and my plans because I get distracted by someone or something. And then I'll start cutting an apple or I'll hear a noise outside like a car that's spinning out or, or a garbage truck that's barreling down the road on its weekly run through the neighborhood. Without thinking, I'll, I'll move to a window and I'll stare, hoping to see what made the sound. Anywhere from five minutes to five hours will pass before I notice the knife patiently waiting besides, beside the cutting board for me to return. But every now and then, the distraction from life as I intend it to be comes from a place that exists beyond the boundaries of time and place. You get moved there, say to a window, to stare but it's not to solve a mystery. You're moved there by a divine combination of sounds and sights and smells to witness the mystery of God. Time doesn't stop there, it stretches infinitely. Your body, it doesn't disappear, it is more present than ever. Everything, everything is dark and it's light, full and empty, perfect and still being perfected all at the same time. Let me tell you about one of these times. A few years ago, I spent a couple of days in the mountains, a few thousand feet closer to the stars than we are right now. And at night, the stars, they're just more enthusiastic in their yearning to be noticed. They seem to multiply against the darker backdrop that is always out there, but tends to get flushed out by all the artificial light that we produce and 
cities as big as Dallas or, or New York. Hundreds of puny stars at the center of distant galaxies, they all strained to snatch my attention from the brighter stars that are closer and get all the glory. On this one unforgettable night as I stared up, straining my neck to make sense of the darkness that was peering back at me, I wished in that moment for a return to childhood and another chance to go to space camp. I was transfixed. The the paradox, it all glowed. The cosmos was caught up in its own exuberant display of awesomeness. I watched and I noticed how near and how far, how proximate and distant, real and contrived, full and empty, it all was. I saw the work of the Creator in setting the boundaries between space and time, separating night and day so the great horned owl and the barred owl and the screech owl, they all got a chance to hoot and be heard. I saw the work of the Creator in setting each star in a particular place and and setting us to spin at regular intervals around each one of them. I was distracted by what, well, by what had always been up there. I don't know about you, but when I reach out to grasp for the hand of God to walk me through what seems at the time like a treacherous season in life, it takes a minute for me to remember that the hand that was always there Well, it was always there, just not as I thought it would be. As the Apostle Paul said to the Athenians in our scripture reading, the God who made the world and everything in it does not live in shrines made by human hands. The work of the Creator could not be contained on that night when I was sitting, staring up into the sky. There was too much to hold, carry, and accommodate. And you'll hear exceedingly religious people remind you to not confuse creation with the Creator and begin to worship what our eyes behold. But that doesn't mean that we should stop staring and stop pointing up there to falling stars and stop waiting for full moons and solar eclipses and meteor showers. Now, don't stop listening if you hear the voice of the Creator between the hoots of a barn owl howling at the moon with you. But do be distracted by what's always been there. Be distracted, but don't try to dip the moment in bronze, is what Paul is telling us. Don't try to dip the moment in bronze and make a statue to the God that can sometimes be as close as when you first watched a child chase their first firefly. The God who who made the world and everything in it doesn't live in shrines made by human hands. And and all the while, we learn today that God's not far from each of us. The Apostle Paul is passing through Athens on his way to somewhere else. He has good news to share with the world and his desperation to deliver it as far and as wide as possible has brought him to the other side of the Mediterranean, far from Jerusalem and miles from home. Athens is the capital of Greek culture, and Greek culture had this outsized influence on the world surrounding the Mediterranean that included what we now call Israel. The Athenians were 
tastemakers, and their taste was exported through trading routes on roads that were built by the Romans and over sea swells by boat. All this went out to the rest of the world. Their schools of philosophy, including Epicureanism and Stoicism, they were led by superstar philosophers. Parents with means sent their children from distant cities to Athens to learn from them. Greek architecture, drama, their style of debating, their fascination with beauty, uh, virtue, ethics, what constituted the good life. Everything Greek always went viral. And the Greeks were, they were also known for being exceedingly religious. The writer of Acts alludes to their reputation for lavish displays of piety when he puts the words exceedingly religious in the mouth of the Apostle Paul at the very start of the short and sweet sermon that Paul delivers from the Areopagus. The translation of that word into exceedingly religious is gracious because it can also be translated as superstitious. But don't be fooled, Paul meant it as a compliment or at least as a place to begin a conversation. He was looking for common ground and all the statues and the shrines that he passed on the way into town made it clear that the worldly, educated, and consistently curious Athenians were also eager in their devotion to whatever God needed some attention. Take a ride through Main Street in Athens, and it was like a trip down, wait for it, the buffet line at a Golden Corral. I don't know what the buffet lines look like or what they're called up there in New York, but back when I used to live in the South, Golden Corral was a famous country buffet. Please don't hear any disrespect towards the Golden Corral and what I just said. You know, we had one of those uh, three miles up the street from my parents' house, and I was there on the regular. The only reason that I stopped going to all-you-can-eat buffets is that I, I just became aware of my own issues with portion control. How can you stop when 100% when of your favorite foods are available under one single sheet of plexiglass? By the time my mind would realize that I just shoved pizza and fried chicken wings and a cheeseburger and a prime rib sandwich and and a bowl of ranch sauce sprinkled with croutons and bacon and just a little bit of salad, by the time my mind realized what just happened, it would be too late. I'd get to wheezing, and I'd hate myself. And I'd be sweating, and, and then I'd just want to go home and turn off the lights and turn off my phone and put on my gravy pants and slowly just let the shame glaze dry off my body. It's not a good place to be. I don't trust myself at the Golden Corral I, I really do take the challenge of all you can eat way too seriously. And all you people that can't imagine eating at a Golden Corral because you think the food is inferior, well, all of you are confused. It tastes so much better than that last seaweed salad that was drizzled with lemon juice and sprinkled with purple cabbage that they call kimchi taste. So yes, 
The religious devotion of the Athenians is as thorough as the buffet at the Golden Corral. They got it all. No God is left out. All of them get a shrine. And just in case there is one out there that they haven't yet discovered, the Athenians have, well, they've got that covered with a shrine also. On the plaque, it is written to an unknown God. This might be where my golden corral as Athens metaphor ends. I don't think I'd keep going on down the buffet line if I came up on a casserole at the end of the line labeled unknown. And you might say, me neither. And you might not eat at the golden corral or buffets, period. But I do think that we are more like the Athenians than we care to admit the God who made the world and everything in it does not live in shrines made by human hands, but we often remain unsatisfied with the alternative. As the Apostle Paul says in verse 28, since God is not in all the shrines, then God is in us and we are in God. Paul puts it this way. For in him we live and we move and we have our being. God is not far from each of us Athenian Americans. To notice is to be distracted by what has always been there. And you can look around. We don't have as many gods represented with ornate physical statues and fussed up shrines as the Athenians do. But it's not because we don't worship many gods. In the world that we inhabit, the multitude of gods we worship are usually memorialized in our cultural mythology. The gods are in the stories that we tell, that point to something we imagine to be ideal. You know those myths there. Well, there is the shrine that's been erected in honor of a normal family. And there is the shrine that was erected to the story we told that, you know, with enough streaming options and delivery services instantly available at home, we, we won't need each other anymore. Well, COVID-19 in the summer of 2020 tore that shrine down. And there is the shrine to the beautiful body, which is usually thin with a certain hue to the skin tone. Together, they represent health and the promise of a long life. COVID-19 in the summer of 2020 tore that down. There is the shrine to the story that enough successful people gathered in the same room on a Sunday guarantees a successful church that that is as sure of its practices as it is its future. Well, COVID-19 in the summer of 2020 tore that shrine down. There, there is the shrine to our own youth, which probably was not as good or as bad as you recall. And there is the shrine to the future of the young people in our care. Their future will likely be better and worse in ways that we cannot control right now. There is the shrine that was erected to the promise that in America life is fair and that everyone is given an opportunity to live free before they die. COVID-19 in the summer of 2020 tore that shrine down. 
And I could go on. You know, we got a shrine for every shiny thing that looks like the glow of God is bouncing off of it. But since God is in us and we're in God, or as Paul says it, uh, for in Him we live and move and have our being, or in the words of the poet, uh, Miss Lauren Hill, everything is everything. God, who is Lord of heaven and earth, is not far from each one of us. So, wherever you are, take your hand, and if you're comfortable, grab the hand of someone close by. And if there is not someone close by, pick up the phone and call someone that won't think you're crazy for asking to hold their hand over the phone. Or you can close your eyes and you can imagine someone you'd like to stare at the stars with. And as you draw near to the life and the breath of another, try to hold that hand as if you were holding the hand of God. As if God was not far from each of us. And believe that the shrine is in you in all the imperfection that you represent, in all the uncertainty that you feel, in all that you think you have left undone, and in all that you embraced or you redeemed with a timely hug, an act of forgiveness, a prayer that you cobbled together and tentatively uttered, you know, alone with, our hands we see, the only shrine we worship is the one that we carry, the cross of Jesus Christ. We can't contain everything. And my, how we have tried. We can't contain everything. and bronze it when we notice that we can't control it. But if you hold on long enough to what God has already enshrined, then you know that everything is everything. God is not going anywhere, and God is not far from each of us. My Athenian Americans, may we always be distracted by what has always been there. In the name of God, Creator, Son, and Holy Spirit, Amen. Now prepare to receive the benediction. Uh, may this blessing uh, be received by you in New York City, all the way from here in Dallas, Texas, uh, wherever you're going to go today. Uh, may you go in peace. I'm set free uh, to love one another, and to love God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And as you go, may the road rise to meet you. The wind be always at your back. The sun shine warm upon your face. The rains fall soft upon your fields. And until we meet again, may God hold you in the palm of his hand. Amen and amen.